Hey, welcome to Church Alive. We hope this message is something fresh, real, and powerful for your life. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the message. That is why you fail. <laughs> Someone say, slap your neighbor and say, may the faith be with you. So often in Luke Skywalker's and Star Wars and so forth, there was always this line, may the force be with you. I want to say to you today, may the faith be with you. My, uh, when I was five years old, my sister and brother, uh, we would play, I would be Luke Skywalker because I had blonde hair. <laughs> my brother would be Han Solo because he had brown hair and my sister was somewhere in between and we'd put on little bathrobes, we'd put little belts on and we were very disappointed I remember that we couldn't hang a rope from the roof of our literal room so we could play out one of the scenes of the movie and swing and then my sister was meant to grab onto me and I was meant to kind of swing her along and that was in my mind anyway. I was pretty convinced I was Luke Skywalker but I do love the theme of Star Wars, which is really the battle of good and evil. And if you watch any action flick around the globe, you will see that good and evil is prevalent in it. And here's the deal. Good and evil is prevalent in you and me, isn't it? It is a major theme of the Bible is this thought of good and evil. And the constant uh, teaching of the Jedi was this, use the force. And actually, when you watch the teachings of Jesus, now, be sure of this, I'm not trying to get you to be a Jedi. I'm not going to think that you're going to walk out in the king's court and try to lift up your car with your little powers. I would call that bizarre and even witchcraft. Okay, don't do that. I just want to let you know I'm a Christian, not a Jedi warrior. Okay, just in case, because occasionally you'll get some people that's like, wait, is our pastor a Jedi? We're not sure. Does he have green ears when he goes home at night? No. But Jesus was always trying to tell the disciples to have faith. And faith always moves from one place to another. Faith always journeys with the master. It isn't the focus on your faith that is necessary. It is the focus on Jesus, obviously, that is necessary. And faith is always the byproduct of focusing on Jesus. Let me say that again. Faith. The faith that you need to fulfill your potential. The faith that you need to just live out this Christian life on a day-to-day -day basis. The faith that you need is always available if you focus on Jesus, not your own faith. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Jesus in Mark chapter 4 has been speaking and teaching in parables and he's giving them illustrations. He talks about the parable of the sower, the parable of the lamp, the parable of the growing seed and the parable of the mustard seed. And then he gives them a very specific instruction. It is not a principle from Jesus. It is not a guardrail which Jesus would often give. It is not a truth to be meditated on later and that finally you meditate on it and then you go, ah, he gives them a very specific call. He says, let us go over to the other side. It is directional of nature and it is a call to leave the sand and get into the boat. 
And there is always a call I found from Jesus. If you are following, not just attending, there is always a call from him to get away from the sand, which is often where the crowd sits, and to get into a boat, which often seems a little, like a little bit nerve-wracking. Right? Because how many of you know that sometimes Jesus asks you to do something, you're like, Jesus, I didn't bring my sand shoes today. Sorry, I bought my sand shoes. I didn't bring boat shoes. <laughs> like, I, I've, I'm not ready for boating. My apparel is not ready. I'm not. Like, how about we do boating in a week? <laughs> but Jesus calls you to do something in this season. Are you with me, Church Alive? Yeah. It is a call, and I'll call it to fellowship. Not fellowship, but fellowship. There's a lot of talk in Christian circles around discipleship. Discipleship is simple fellowship. You've got to keep following. And if you'll keep following, big things will begin to happen in your world. In my experience, faith comes when we are hungry to seek God for a word of instruction, a word of direction, and a word of clarity. A cry from the heart that says, Father, what do you want me to do? Come on, can we say that together? Father, Father, what do you want me to do? I believe this, some of the greatest blessings, hear me now, Church Alive, some of the greatest blessings in your life are times when you don't know what to do. They don't seem like they, they are your blessings, but they are your blessings because when you don't know what to do, you are now at the edge of having to seek God, having to get instruction from His Word, having to hear from heaven, and it's sometimes good. Can I say this? It's sometimes good in the faith life to be desperate to hear from God. Now, when you don't know what to do, choose wisdom but there's a moment sometimes where where is it do I take this spouse or not this spouse this career path or not that career path and sometimes you're like Lord I need to know and sometimes I'll often find that if you're heading one direction God will bother you if you're heading the wrong direction you just won't have this sense of peace on the inside you're like why am I so bothered to take this one career why am I so bothered to take this path? Why am I so bothered to take, date that one person? Why am I bothered about it? Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. When you don't know what to do, I want to say this, you are blessed. Yeah. Why? Because when you are blessed, sorry, when you are lacking clarity, you seek God. Yeah. And one of the great dangers of a comfortable, blessed life is that you no longer have to seek God anymore. One of the great blessings of leading a church is I constantly feel like I don't know what to do. But that has been a continual source of blessing for me because how many know you've got to preach again next Sunday, which means I've got to seek God again. And I'm kind of like, well, Lord, what do you want me to talk about next Sunday? And obviously he has his word and I need to preach his word, but I, I, I need to have a sense that the Holy Spirit has a general flow. Does that make sense? So you are blessed. Psalm 32 verse 8 says this, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. It is a promise of God to speak to you. It is a promise of God in the worship. It is a promise of God in the preaching. It is a promise of God in your own private time. It is a promise of God through dreams and visions. It is a promise of God to speak to his children. Now let me put a little warning on that. Be wise if you're going to say you hear from God. Yeah. 
Right? Be wise. What does that mean? It means I don't need to hear God all the time. I really don't. Because if I wake up in the morning, I'm like, Lord, what should I have for breakfast? <laughs> How many know that would get a little weird sometimes? Yeah, yeah. Right? You, you're like, okay, the Lord wants me to have cocoa puffs with chocolate sprinkles on top. And you're like, no, that's your addiction to sugar that wants you to have that. That's not God. And if you see a pretty girl walking by in church, you're like, oh, that's God's will for me. Maybe. <laughs> but maybe she's just pretty and you're attracted to her, right? And, and, and you're praying for something to happen. And sometimes we can be almost superstitious. Yeah. And you've got to be careful with that. Know that God will speak to you. Yeah. Know that He will. But I'll say this and this is point number one today, is this, specific instructions only come after general instructions. Specific instructions only come after general instructions. Like if you don't obey the general instructions of Scripture, why would God give you specific instructions? Why would he? Because you're, you're ignoring the, the other things. Yeah, yeah. If I've said to my son, clean your room, and he walks up to me and like, Dad, do you want me to go outside and play now? I'm like, no. <laughs> I've given you a general instruction, which is this, and then later we might get into some specifics. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. The promise of God. Matthew 5 verse 3 says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What is that saying? It has nothing to do with blessed are you if you are poor. That is a complete fallacy in the Christian church. Blessed are you if you are poor in spirit means if you recognize your poverty, spiritual poverty, and when you recognize you are spiritually poor, then you seek God. It isn't blessed are you if you have no money. That is not true. Because the Bible says that poverty is the ruin of the poor. Right? Poverty is actually a curse. So I'm just going to just de-clarify some muck that goes out there. Like, oh, if you're poor, if you're poor and you found God, that was the blessing. But haven't you noticed if you're sick, you want to get unsick? So if you're poor, don't you want to get unpoor? I'm not saying everyone's meant to be this one level. That's where a a blessed or prosperous kind of message within Christianity, everyone's meant to be rich. Blessed, according to your gifts and your talents and your work ethic and your entrepreneurial spirit, right? And and, and what God has for you, blessed. But I I just need to lead some people away from that because poverty is the ruin of the poor. And Jesus did not say, blessed are you if you're poor. Jesus, here's this now, he didn't go and recruit homeless people. He loves homeless people. Everyone Jesus recruited had a job. So he didn't run around and just find someone who has nothing to do and go, why don't you guys, you've got nothing to do, why don't you follow me? No, he actually found people who were doing things. And I found if I need something done, I need to find people who are already busy. Not someone who's already sleeping in bed. Because they don't have time. <laughs> Leadership lesson. <laughs> God specializes in speaking to our lives when we are lost. He says, I am the way. He says, I am the good shepherd. He says, I am the light of the world. So let me say this one more time. If you don't feel like you have 
clarity and direction in your life. Let me say this again. You're blessed if you seek God. How long do you have to seek God, Anthony? Till he answers. You're like, how long's that? How long's a piece of string? When I was 18 years old and I wanted God's purpose in my life, I reckon I prayed for six months every night. God, what do you have for me? How long are you going to pray? Six months. A year. But how many would think that it might be worth it to get some clarity on your life? I don't want to over-spiritualize it. Again, be a person of wisdom, but God desires to speak to you. If God never speaks to me, it means this. I'm not in relationship with Him. Does that make sense? Let me, let me drive home this point one more time. First Chronicles chapter 10, verse 13. It's a, really a warning scripture. So Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He failed to obey the Lord's commands and he even consulted a medium instead of, watch this now, asking the Lord for guidance. Asking the Lord for guidance. He was a king responsible for the nation of Israel and he went so far. See, if you don't seek God, you seek someone. If I don't seek God, I will seek someone's wisdom. Might be my own wisdom, might be my mother's wisdom or father's wisdom or someone else's wisdom. But God wants his wisdom in your world. Do you believe that? Let me say one more time. Specific instructions only come after general instructions. They are on the seashore and Jesus in Mark chapter 4 is giving them parable after parable, story after story. There are four specific stories and he's been preaching for a while and now he lays out a very specific instruction. Come and get in the boat. And the disciples get in the boat but the text actually says that it's not just the disciples that get in the boat it says there are other boats which means it was a fairly like he's been preaching for a while there's a big crowd of people and he's been giving parables and he's been giving stories and now he says come in the boat and the disciples jump in the boat and then other people get in other boats but how many know that other people stayed on the seashore they were invited and I just want to talk to you about getting away from seashore faith Seashore faith is comfortable faith. Seashore faith is observing faith. Seashore faith is intrigued and even believes upon the person of Jesus. But how many know that your faith is to go from faith to faith? It's not to go from faith to stuck. And if you don't keep moving, it does. It actually goes from faith to stuck. How many know that stuck is dangerous though? Stuck is dangerous. Number two, specific instructions challenge the norm. Specific instructions challenge the norm. He said, let us go over to the other side. But the word of the Lord pulls you out of the crowd. The word of the Lord pulls you out of the place of, I believe in you, Jesus. I'm hearing stories about you, Jesus, to now I've got to do stuff. And I was wrestling on the inside, to be honest, with preaching about this message. And I was talking to the Lord about it. I'm like, Lord, I've preached out this text a lot and, and so forth. And I felt like you put something very clear on my heart was this. It was like much of the American church loves seashore faith. Wow. Wow. But he said, but if you want a 
a boat shore or a, or a boat faith kind of church, you need to speak about getting people on the boat because God has specific instructions for you. You see, hear me now. There, are, there is a faith on the other side of sermons that you cannot get anywhere else except following. And here's the interesting thing, and this is the picture for me when it comes to faith, is that the people on the seashore, do you know that many of them ran around the seashore, ran around the lake, and they're watching the boats, and they're even watching the storm? And then they say to themselves, guess what? Aren't you glad we didn't go on the beach, or sorry, on the waves with Jesus? And they're watching, because sometimes when you follow Jesus, at first it doesn't look like you're doing the right thing. See, you're on the boat, and everyone else is watching. See, we, were, we, we just brought sand shoes today. We didn't bring boat shoes. It didn't make sense for us to get on the boat. Aren't we wise? You are wise to live your life with wisdom, but you are never wise to not listen to wisdom. Jesus is the essence of wisdom. And there is a worldly wisdom that simply says, think through every little thing, map it out. Yes, it's got to be like an accountant. It's a project manager. That's how I manage my life. A lot of your life you should manage like that because that will work. But there is a faith that you actually want. There is a passion for Jesus that you actually desire. There is a real love for Jesus and a time when you see Jesus. And let me tell you where you see Jesus. You don't see him on the seashore. You see him in the boat. Because the disciples and the others get in the boat and then a storm hits them. And this isn't no regular like big waves. When grown fishermen are asking another man to help them, How many know men don't like asking for directions and they don't like asking for help? When men walk up to other men and say, I need your help. We really need help. We are desperate for help. Help me. There's 12 men on a boat saying to Jesus, wake up, Jesus. Don't you care? It is bad. B-A-D. Bad. Aren't you glad I passed English school? (laughs) Teacher would be so proud. To me, this is where the rubber meets the road, where the Holy Spirit begins to instruct you and teach you and give you something specific. And that something specific might be getting baptized. See, that's a general instruction, but you'll see people get baptized and you'll feel an inkling in your heart if you haven't, if you're listening to the Holy Spirit like you need to. And when you follow that, all of a sudden you get baptized and there's a faith that you have on the other side of baptisms that you did not have beforehand. There is a faith that you have on the other side of stepping out and praying for someone and and, and they didn't ask for prayer and you said, man, I feel like I need to pray for you. I feel like I need to give something to you. There's a faith on the other side of that. You can't get anywhere else because you're not just following what I'm saying or or a preacher. You're following a person. And that person is the Holy Spirit. That person is the essence of Jesus. Does that make sense? There is a faith that when you begin to, even the simplicity of of giving God the first and the best, tithing and so forth, there is a faith that comes years afterwards that you can find nowhere else. Why? Because where your treasure is, there your heart is. 
And Jesus wants your heart in his house. Jesus wants your heart in his kingdom. Does that make sense? It is not just the seashore that you have to leave, I've found. It is the mentality of the crowd. It is the mentality of the crowd. Because how many know the mentality of the crowd seems to trap us sometimes? You ever wanted to move forward in God and all of a sudden it was a war in your mind? What would they think? Who are they? They are sometimes your friends. They are your cousins. They are your uncles sometimes. They are whatever isn't getting on the boat. Because when you're hanging out on the seashore and there's a crowd around you and you're looking at them and a couple of other people are going but your friends aren't going and you're just like, should we go? And they look at you and go, don't take that religion too seriously, mate. Oh, you go to church every week. Oh, that's a bit weird. We go occasionally because we like it on the seashore. We like to hear sermons from Jesus sometimes about blessings. But when he calls us to the boat, we don't like boats. See, our family, we're not boat people. We're more like lay on the, on the, get your towel and get some sun lotion and lie down on the beach. That's the kind of, you, you're a beach person, right? And you lie down and you just say, oh, oh. And then I do that for 15 minutes and then I flip over and then I do it the other way. That's how I enjoy the beach. And some people are like that with their faith. This is how I like to enjoy my faith. I like to do a little bit, but not a lot of it, because a little bit. Here's what's interesting. The people that stayed on the seashore, they ran around the lake. They got to the other side of the lake. Jesus gets off the boat, and all the other people get off the boat too. And they're like, here, we're, we're here again. We're here. But how many of you know that if you were on the boat and Jesus steps into a ridiculous storm and just says, peace, be still, and they begin to say to themselves, not even to him, who is this man? That even the winds and the waves, they obey him. How many know that all of a sudden you now see Jesus? in a very different light, in a very different way. And when he calls you out of the seashore and you get on the boat, your faith is never the same again. And you get off the boat back on the seashore. And how many of you know this, that their faith was completely different? Their passion was different. Their, Their sense of God. And then you get off the boat. And the people on the seashore are like, how come you're so excited? (laughs) Because we saw Jesus. And then you're like, oh, so tell me about it. Like, well, well, he stopped the wind and the waves. And you're like, oh, that's nice. Because you didn't see it. See, the truth is, information leads you to an experience. That experience is priceless. I'll I'll share this with your church. I feel like in our church, it's a season for us to ask this simple question around our Believe and Build foundation. What's my boat? What's me getting off my seashore and stepping into the boat and following Jesus? It looks very different for every person depending on your season, 
But what if our whole church began to pray this prayer? God, in this season, what does it look like for me to follow you in generosity and finances into this next year? What does this even look like? And here's what I promise you. Jesus never presses you beyond your measure, but He always stretches you to a new level of dimension and He stretches you to a new level of faith. And then all of a sudden, you go on the journey with Him and you feel the wind and the waves and you say, Jesus, I need you. And then when He silences your storm, you get back off the boat. And all of a sudden, the next time He says, come on the boat, you're like, oh, I'm excited and nervous and excited. I found this, when God has asked me to do something, I'm normally excited and nervous. I'm like, oh, how's this one going to go? I was 18 years old. God speaks to my heart, give away $434. That was my boat. That's, that was my boat. Got in the boat. Got a full ride scholarship to the university I was at. Well, God opened all kinds of doors. Never in my life have people just given me money. Someone else comes up to me like, oh, I'm meant to give you $500. I'm meant to give you $700. How many know that that boat opened up the door for Jesus to speak? When I was leaving America to go back to Australia right after college, I had a cheap car. It was $1,800 or 100 bucks. God speaks to me before I go back to Australia, give away the car. I was like, oh, this is the next boat. I was kind of like, ah, I'd rather sell it, Lord. So, no, 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 do it. Jumped in the boat. Go back to Australia. First job I ever get. Had a company car. And I was like, oh, that was, that was you, Lord. I left Australia. I jumped into another job. I had to buy my own car. It was a $5,000 car. God speaks to Miriam and I. Um, give away your car. I'm like, Lord, I'd rather pay off some stuff. He's like, that's your boat. Give away the car. Within 60 days, someone had given me $11,000 car. That was my boat. Three years ago, Miriam and I prayed about what we should do for Believe and Build. God spoke to me. I thought to her we'd give $10,000. She said $15,000. God gave me a dream. It's $15,000 you're to give to Believe and Build. Didn't really make sense. Over the course of two years, that was our decision. At the end of the second year, God shows up in a very significant way and blesses our world. That was our boat. And every time you get on the boat, it's a word in your heart. And then you have to trust Jesus. And some of you, this might not sit well with you. I'm not saying you give something and you're you're there sitting and waiting and expecting. No, you give or you get on the boat and you see what happens. Because whether Jesus speaks to the storm or to your heart, it was his word. And listen, you're not called to have sure faith forever. You're called to have a boat faith. And a sure faith is foundational and it's instructional and it teaches you and, it, and, it's, and it's learning about the truth and essence of Jesus. But a boat faith is the next level of faith. It is when the Holy Spirit speaks something particular to your spirit. And all of a sudden you're like, oh Lord, I'm scared. But he says, come son, step out. 
get in the boat. And his blessing is attached to it. Come on all across this place. Would you bow your head with me? Would you close your eyes? Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for health, for life, for strength over every man and every woman. I pray where they need to hear you, where they need to speak to you, where they need to seek you. Spirit of the living God, I pray in this next season that, Lord, in this season of faith, I pray for clarity and truth and faith and health. And I ask you, guide your people to their next steps. Guide some to get baptized. Guide some to step out and serve. Guide some to be a witness in the work. Guide them, I pray. Guide them to spend more time with you. Guide them, I pray, to get on their boat. Guide us in every area so that we might walk by faith. I thank you for it. I thank you for it. My heads are bowed and eyes are closed all across this place. I'm going to ask some of you who have perhaps never trusted in Christ. You've heard of sermons, you've heard messages, but have you ever said, Jesus, don't be the Lord of my mother or my father or my friends. Be the Lord of my heart. That is the first foundation of faith. That's the essence of sure faith. It's saying, Jesus, I need your words more than life. And so right here and right now, all across this place, if you mean business with God, we're going to pray a simple prayer and that prayer will connect you to a person. His name is Jesus. Come on, let's pray this prayer together. Say, Jesus, right now, I declare, I trust you. I put my faith in you. Would you forgive me? Cleanse me. Make me your child. Thank you for your grace. May I never be the same. I declare today, you are my Lord. I am your child. I will follow you for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name. My heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Raise it up real high. One, two, three. Quickly, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Those of you that said yes to Jesus. Thank you, sir. Thank you, man. That's awesome. Another one over there. Thank you, sweetheart, over there. Another one over there. That's awesome. Those two over there. That's so good. So good. Anyone else today? Anyone else today? You can put your hand down. Father, I thank you for every hand. Thank you for every heart. Bless them exceedingly and abundantly. And Church Alive, can we make some noise for those people that said yes to Jesus? If you want to hear more empowering messages and learn more about Church Alive, make sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at churchalive.tv. We hope to see you this weekend. Have a great week.